Now it's time to cut through the clutter and noise with one of the South's most recognized voices. Just saying. This is Just Saying with Jason Scarborough. Jason, what's up, brother? You may not always agree with him, but he's just saying. Now let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend. Well, most days. Here's Jason Scarborough. All right, let's rock and roll here with Just Say in episode three. We welcome you in wherever you are listening. iTunes, Spotify, the TuneIn Radio app and Stitcher, and soon on the new and improved Spirit Media Network website. Our webmaster, Mr. Christopher Bragg, is working tirelessly to get a new website up and running. So very soon you'll be able to hear the podcast on the website as well so we're excited about that so episode three we're going to welcome in now the legend the myth which one is she i'm not sure she's blair buys kind of an interesting array of topics that we're going to dig into a little bit here but just a lot happened sports wise over the weekend as we kind of expected it would high school football college football here in mississippi in the south there was kind of a little bit of a debate about a couple of sitcoms we'll get into in a little bit just a lot to dig into. First of all, how are you doing? You holding up pretty good? I'm doing pretty well. You know, um, crazy weekend, fun weekend, lots of stuff going on. I'm excited about our debate we'll have in a minute about <laughs> sitcom, so that should be interesting. <laughs> Other than that, I'm doing pretty great. All right. I, I tell you what, I, I'll lay out our guest list and then we'll we'll dig into it. So sure. our guest list coming up, a good friend of mine, Amanda Swain, she is a police officer in the, I guess the best way to frame it, we don't want to tell you exactly where she is, honestly because of her safety, but uh, she is a police officer in Tennessee. She is also a part-time photographer for Ole Miss Athletics, and she does photography for weddings and graduations and gender reveals, so on and so forth. Amanda has an interesting story, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. She's a police officer, obviously with me saying she She's a female, and she's also a minority. She is of Indian descent. Her father came to America for more opportunity. Her mother was Caucasian. Both of her parents are deceased, and she is doing her best to carry on their legacies to her children and now her grandchildren. So that interview, I can't wait for people to hear because she's got a different viewpoint than you might imagine as far as through the eyes of a police officer also a female police officer, and on top of that, a police officer of color. So she has an interesting perspective, and one I think that that all of us need to listen to, because she's experienced some things that you and I will will never experience, just from being a police officer is what I'm referring to. And these people get up every day going to work, not knowing if they're going to come home. So that's an interview that I'm really looking forward to all of you guys hearing later on in the show. Also, Samaria Terry, for those of you that happen to see yours truly on WJTV, the CBS affiliate here in Jackson, also WHLT down in uh, Hattiesburg, down in Blair's area. Samaria Terry, now the former WJTV sports anchor, she was telling some of her stories about Mississippi and her favorite stories while she was here before she moves on to Memphis. Uh, she's, of course, from Atlanta, originally went to Auburn and has some interesting takes on Mississippi sports. Kind of interesting. So she's going to join us 
later on in the show. And my good buddy, Pervy Green, my former broadcast partner, he was with me for 15 years. And we called some high school games, JUCO games, and some spots that you guys would just scratch your head and be like, how in the world did you make that happen? And so just hearing his insight about how technology has come a long way, what it used to take to just pull off a broadcast, just to make a broadcast happen, whether it was for a football game, baseball game, a show, whatever the case was. I mean, we're talking tinfoil and coat hangers. No, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding, but you would have to run hundreds of feet at sometimes a, a phone cord, a phone cable, just to get a signal to do a broadcast. And so it was funny to, to kind of flash back to some of those memories he brought up, some I'd forgotten about. And a lot of people don't know this, but Pervy is the one who came up with the name for Spirit. The original model and makeup of Spirit, Pervy is the one that came up with the name for that. It wasn't even me. How about that? Did you know that? That's awesome. I had no idea. Yep. He's the one that, and he had forgotten about it. <laughs> I had to remind <laughs> him about it. So that's coming up later on in the show. So hope you'll stay tuned for that. Share to your friends because the downloads, I'm pretty pleased with where we are on the downloads to this point through the first couple of episodes. So you guys keep sharing, keep downloading, listen to it when you're cutting grass, when you're on the treadmill, when you're traveling like Blair does every weekend, she's all over the place. So I am not, I meant traveling, not, not mentally. Come on. You do travel a lot. Okay. okay. Yeah. I do. I tend to do that. I'm young, so I might as well get out of the system before I can't. All right. So the other night, Blair and I were talking about a lot of different things. There's been some some coaching changes in the collegiate ranks here in Mississippi. We were talking about a lot of different things going on. And somehow, I don't, I don't remember how it got brought up, but I was talking about watching the, the office, and Blair was like, oh, I hate the office. She's like, I love friends. Now, I love friends, too. Let me say this before we get into this. I love Friends, too. But The Office has kind of a different sense of humor to it. It's kind of an acquired taste, so to speak. Friends, you know, there's pros and cons with both, I guess. So we're going we're gonna to debate that. Blair hates The Office, thinks it's terrible. I mean, you do. I mean, hey, stand on that hill and be proud of it because there are some that's like, I don't get it. It's terrible. I hate it. It's the dumbest thing ever. And then there are some that are like, it's the greatest show ever. I, I do not think that it's the best show that was ever produced on NBC. There are some that believe that. I don't. You're you're saying Friends is the best show ever. Okay, maybe not the <laughs> best show ever, like ever created, because I've seen some really good TV shows. But Friends takes the cake over the office any day. I cannot, I firmly believe you cannot love both shows. Really? I, the Office, I firmly believe that. Like, I cannot stand people say, I love The Office, but I also love Friends because they're so different. Like, I don't, well, I personally cannot stand The Office because I feel like I lose several brain cells every time I watch it. <laughs> the humor is, like, stupid funny. It's kind of like, now I'm not knocking on Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler, but it's like their kind of movies. Like, they're dumb movies where it's like you have to have kind of like boy crude humor to really like I kind of like Step Brothers you know how people either love the movies 
stepbrothers or they hate it. That movie just, I did not laugh hardly at all in that movie. And people are probably going to hate me right now because I just said that because people love stepbrothers. So I feel like that's the office. You, you have to either love that kind of humor or you hate it. And if you don't like it, you're not going to like the office. So every time I've tried to watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, I would rather watch Bob Ross paint a painting on PBS oh, and watch The Office. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Friends, on the other hand, Friends, on the other hand, is so funny. And what I love about it is all the all the characters have complete different um, personality and humor. Like every single character is completely different. And I feel like with The Office, all of the humor is kind of the same. It's just dumb, stupid humor. But Friends, I think Friends is absolutely hilarious. Like, I can go and rewatch every episode of Friends multiple, multiple times, and I will laugh just as hard as I did the first time I ever saw it. I think Friends is an all-time classic. The Office, absolutely not. I mean, Friends has won way more awards than The Office will ever win. I agree with that. So just putting that out there, Horton. Now, let me say this about The Office. they There are parts... And I promise I'm not backpedaling. It's going to sound like I am. I'm not one of those people that think it's like the greatest thing ever. You know, there are some that they rank it as their number one comedy of all time. I don't. There are some points on there where it pushes the envelope. And there's some points where they make fun of things that you go, eh, that's a little much. And then you have to remember who the executive producer is. It's Ricky Gervais, who... <laughs> Is like the most anti-religious, anti, well, everything really. <laughs> Ricky's just kind of out there, and so then you remember, yeah, well, this guy's pretty crass and everything that that he says and does. So you kind of have to remember that. So they do push the envelope. Where I don't know if Friends really ever pushed the envelope on s- some topics, certain things. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting that. Maybe I'm blocking it out. I'll say this about Friends. The scenery on Friends, definitely better than The Office, without a doubt, by far. Oh, my gosh. That's even more boring, watching just people sit in an office all day. Like, at least Friends, they all have different jobs, and they all, my favorite thing, you know, they all have completely different jobs and different lives, but they're all in one tight-knit group. My favorite thing is, I think, Waltz's obsession with dinosaurs <laughs> i think it's hilarious have you ever seen the poster of that someone made it's like a basketball poster and it's like the office going up against friends mm-hmm. and it has all the characters in it and my favorite thing on that poster is ross they have drawn a little baby dinosaur tattoo on his ankle and i think it is the funniest thing ever who would win in a basketball game I don't know. Who, who would win in a basketball contest you know, um, Ross has the height over Michael Scott, right? In that poster. Okay. And then right. Jim, if you remember the episode from the office, I mean, you, you, you don't, but there was an episode, an episode of the office where Jim is like just draining threes left and right in an office pickup game in the warehouse. So you got to think Jim gets the edge maybe in that matchup, Jim against who's Jim matched up against that. in that have poster. You, have you ever, the, have you ever seen the Thanksgiving special on Friends where they play for the little troll trophy. I have seen the that. Cup. <laughs> I don't know. They both seem... Rachel, not so much. Rachel she should probably just put that one out. But 
other than that, they're very competitive. So I don't know. I think I might have to go with friends in this in this competition. Really? I'm looking at the poster right now, and they've got Phoebe covering Jim, which is weird, Dwight and Chandler. Mm-hmm. That one might be a wash. Of course, Joey's hitting on Pam from the office. He's not even in the game. He's over on the sideline, you know, talking to Pam. That right? would be, in real life, Joey would be hitting on the female reporter down there. Monica's coaching. She's got, like, the, the pantsuit going in this poster. This is one of the best posters I've ever seen. Of course, Rachel's a cheerleader. It's, I don't know who she's standing on, but she's a cheerleader. It's an amazing poster. Whoever made that is incredible. Pretty remarkable. But you see Ross's little dinosaur tattoo? Oh, yeah. Didn't you put that on your Twitter a while back? I thought I, did, I thought I saw that. Oh, my God. I think I might have. I think you did. I think I did, too. Now that you bring it up, I thought that was hilarious. I literally remember seeing that and cracking up. And people were like, what are you laughing at? I look at this poster. And they're like, that's not funny. I'm like, that's hilarious. He loves dinosaurs. Oh, and then... The scene where um, Ross breaks his hand and Joey takes him to the ER and then he can't <laughs> fill out his form and it says occupation and Joey writes dinosaurs and then and then Ross is like you don't you don't that's fine the picture is not like you're drawing a dinosaur next door he wrote dinosaur. <laughs> All right, so a basketball game. Oh my God. You're. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is we were just talking about our favorite episodes the other night, and we call that show prep. You know, phone calls at what ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night. Oh, this is show prep, right? Yeah. So we were talking about our favorite episodes, and literally today, I'm working from the office at home, and around lunch, I said, "You know what? I'll just I'm gonna I'm gonna stand and watch a little TV while I'm at lunch. Take a break." So I cut on the TV, and Friends is on. And it just so happens to be the episode where they throw the... Don't tell me it's a spray tan episode. No, no. I know that's your favorite one. No, it happens to be the one where Monica forces Chandler, because she forces Chandler to do a lot of things. She forces Chandler to have a bachelor party, and she thinks that she orders him a stripper, and instead she orders Chandler a hooker. And that entire episode was on today. And I could hardly eat my food because I forgot how funny that episode was where Joey looks at him and goes, so you excited about tomorrow? Excited about the big day? And Chandler goes, what are you doing? And Joey goes, I'm just trying to act like it's, you know, trying to make it more, more realistic or whatever. And Chandler goes, oh, okay. I can't believe tomorrow's the big day. <laughs> and at one point Chandler looks at Joey when they realize it's a hooker in the next room. And he looks at Joe and he says, this is the worst bachelor party ever. I forgot how funny that episode was. And oh, it's yeah. cool. but the funny thing is, <laughs> so many of the episodes are like that. And it really frustrates me because, you know, they took it off Netflix. Yep. And HBO Max picked it up. Well, I purchased HBO Max for the sole reason of wanting to watch Friends. <laughs> and HBO Max is probably the worst formatted streaming service that I've ever used in my whole life. I'll be watching an episode and within like 12 minutes of the episode, you just mute. The computer doesn't mute it. It's so frustrating. And it did this when it, I mean, I was like probably one of the first people to sign up for HBO Max. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just, you know, you know, they're trying to figure it out. It's brand new. And then I was trying to watch, when we got Formula Night, I told you, I'm going to watch an episode of Friends. I turned it on, did the same thing. So I'm like, I'm spending 
I think it's like $15 a month just so I can watch Friends, and I can't even watch it. So that's very frustrating. I might just buy the whole series on Apple TV and just drop the cash for it because it is so worth it. I love it. Friends has always been my go-to. That's like my number one show. I'll rewatch it. I'll finish it, rewatch again, or I'll just find a funny episode that I like or just pick a random. I, I really wish there was like a shuffle button on the streaming services just so it pick out a random episode for you watch. But I'm not going to lie. If you would have asked me this about six months ago, I would have said Friends, hands down, best TV show ever. There will never be anything compared to it. But I recently, this is going to sound so girly of me, I recently have become obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. No, Lord. My new friends. And it's so incredibly good that now that's what I, because it's still on Netflix, so I just go and I pick a random episode. I've probably finished it twice in the past half a year, so that's not good because there's 16 seasons. I really need to get a life. But <laughs> now that's what I, that's become my new friends. That's what I, because HBO Max is terrible. So I don't have anything else to do. So I watch Grey's Anatomy. So you've but watched. Those are probably my favorite things ever. So you've watched the whole, the whole series of Grey's Anatomy pretty much. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, after I had my surgery on my shoulder, I was on bed press for so long. I was like, I'll pick it up. Everybody loves it. I watched first episode. I was like, this is terrible. And then I got hooked. And I have never been so emotionally invested in a series before. Friends, I'll cry because I laugh so hard at it that I just start crying. Like, I think it's so I'm funny. I'm having some trouble with the connection. Please try again in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, y'all. Sorry, my series just went off on my computer. But anyway, that's actually perfect because you were just talking about connection issues with uh with HBO Max. So yeah, I think my FBI agent is on it right now. But um, (laughs) anyway, so I had the surgery and I was like, I gotta start watching something and. I cry to friends because I laugh so hard, but I was so emotionally invested in Grey's Anatomy. When Derek Shepard died in season 11, I think, I cried for like three or four days straight, and I'm not kidding. I remember driving in my car, leaving from babysitting one day, and I started crying because of Derek Shepard's death, which is so fictional and fake, but I was devastated. Like It's so good and so realistic and it's just very good. But funny show, Friends, dramatic show, Grey's Anatomy, and nothing will ever top either of those. Period, point blank, office, don't even start with me. It's terrible. It's not funny. It's dumb. I lose brain cells. It's like I'm sniffing Sharpies all day long. <laughs> we should put a poll on uh, our Twitter account sometime this week. Let's do it. Pitting Friends against The Office, and the winner advances to take on Grey's Anatomy. And then we see who winner of that. Uh, we see the winner of that second poll, and then we will have to come up with another another sitcom, right? Yeah, I guess so. We should create a bracket. That's what I. Yes. Think. Well, the thing is, I've done the poll on Instagram before, and Friends beat The Office by like a landslide. But I feel like if we put Grey's Anatomy and Friends up against each other, especially if it's on Spirit Media Network Twitter page, Friends is going to win just because of the crowd that follows that page i don't think very many people who follow that are probably big in the medical drama probably more <laughs> be surprised sitcom kind of thing look no, I'm, I'm, a, saying, I'm a big Grey's anatomy fan seriously like i started watching oh, it when really? it was live oh yeah yeah i've got look when they killed off shepherd i was i was done done i was like why would you do that 
he's like one of the most polarizing figures on this show. It was one thing when, and sorry if you've never seen Grey's Anatomy and you're listening to this. If you haven't seen it at this point, I mean, you should, well, you should probably, I'm going to spoil it. So I'm just forewarning you, three, two, one, spoiler alert. When they got rid of George, then they get rid of Izzy. And let's just be honest. Hey, that was fine with me. I can't stand Izzy. No, if you're a dude, you're what, you want to see Izzy. I'm just saying. You, Izzy was too dramatic. But then they get yeah, because of, that's that's why like, we, that's why we watch. <laughs> I mean, okay. Let's Anyways, be, let's be honest um, now. That's what I meant earlier about scenery when I said the scenery on Friends is better than the scenery on The Office. And I was talking about the women, much better uh, looking on yeah, Friends. I can see that for sure. But, yeah, um, by far. Went right up my head right there. Um, <laughs> they killed off George, which that was devastating. I mean, he got hit by a bus, and then. Izzy left, which was fine with me. I thought she was so annoying. And then they killed Lexi. That one broke. That one broke my heart. Yeah, when they when they got rid of Lexi. Yeah, I was like, seriously. First, you get rid of Izzy. That's one thing. Then you get rid of Lexi. Nah, just. And then Mark in the episode after that. And then we got rid of who else died? Bear Shepherd died. And then they didn't kill off these people, but. Arizona Robbins, Callie Torres, Christina Yang, April Kepner, and who? Someone else left that was. Oh, and then Alex Perez just left. And Alex Perez was probably one of my favorite characters because I loved him and Meredith's friendship. I thought it was beautiful. He was so good to her. He was so good to his wife, Joe. And then they, they, he left to go be with Izzy. And I was. I think this is why I hate Izzy so much is he left to be with Izzy because she had his kids. And I was tainted. I was so mad, serious mad. Like, I wanted to write the writers of Grey's Anatomy and chew them out. He was, it's going to, this next season's going to be interesting because so many people are gone. But who knows? Who knows? Apparently, they're tackling the coronavirus in the new season. So we'll see how that goes. All they have to do is treat patients with hydroxychloroquine and, you know. But it's produced by ABC. Yeah, so. you know that's exactly what they're not going to yeah, do. Yeah, they're produced by ABC, so you can pretty much hang that up. I'm going to tell you when, when Grey's Anatomy started to lose me, this may surprise you. When they got rid of Dr. Burke, I was like, man, yeah, it's not going to be the same. Because the dynamic between Christina and Preston Burke, it was just this back and forth, back and forth, and then he leaves her at the altar. So when he left, because I I thought the the rivalry between he and Shepard was kind of a neat storyline. And then, of course, it came out. Isaiah Washington allegedly said some stuff and he cleared that up, actually, that and he said, I really didn't say that. So it was blown way out of proportion to something. And you take one of your best characters off of this show based off of something that he didn't even really say. And that's the part that that's a, that's a topic on another show, but the whole cancel culture thing is just it's so mind blowingly irritating and infuriating. You know, people make mistakes, people right. goof up. You're going to say things that you wish you didn't say. You're going to do things you wish you didn't do. There, there's no forgiveness anymore for a certain group of people. But anyway, but yeah, they lost me when right they started to lose me when Preston Burke was off the show. And I'm like, man, what's up with that? And then they get rid of Izzy, and then they well, get rid see, of Lexi, and I'm like, man, you're getting rid of all the good women on here, man. See, I never really liked Preston. My favorite characters were always, I loved Alex Karev. 
I like Meredith Grey, and I love I loved Lexi, and I loved Arizona Robbins. I don't know why, but I loved Arizona. And then she left, and I was like, and my least favorite is Owen Hunt. I don't know why he is still on the show. He's not good to look at. He's annoying. He's boring. He cheats on all his wives or women or whatever. Oh, and I love Amelia Shepard, Derek's sister. Yeah. Neurosurgeon. I love her. I think she's hilarious. She's so funny, and she does not care what you think or what you say. I think she has a really cool storyline because she's a recovering addict, and she's just has been through so much in her life. And I really like her. It kind of shows everybody that doesn't matter what you've been through, you can make it big. So, yeah, those are my two shows, Friends and Grey's Anatomy. They're, they're probably the best. I think completely different shows, but I think they're probably two of the best shows ever created. All right, so here's what we're going to do before before the next show. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. I think we should create a bracket of some of the top shows, because I can think of some that were out before you were born, actually. Cheers is a good one. Probably. I mean, Cheers is one. Cheers is one of my favorite shows of all time. I know it's not popular to say, but The Cosby Show was one of my favorite shows back in the day. Uh, let's see there. Gosh, there's several. There was a show that came on when I was in high school. A hundred years ago, Beverly Hills, 90210. That was the show when oh, we were yeah. in high school. Yeah. So there's a lot of shows out there. And I, I guess we just need to figure out what our criteria is going to be for ranking these TV shows. Like who's a one seed and who's a 16 seed. You know what I mean? Right. We'll have to figure it out, but. I think it'd be really fun to do and see who wins. I really think Grays and Friends will be in the top, but we'll have to see. I think you should put the office about four or fifth seed. <laughs> I thought you but, were going to put him as like a 12th seed. Hey, you know, I hate it, but there are people who love it. So I think they stand a chance, but that's, it's kind of like, you know, the college football playoff. It's kind of like I'm putting in a Notre Dame. I like or it. someone like that, you know, just to – Start some stuff up so they don't have a bunch of SEC schools up in there or <laughs> two in Clemson. So, I mean, you got to add somebody else just to make it look like it wasn't rigged. Okay, so, to, okay. So to you, okay. So to you, who would be? You said that about an SEC. Since we're using a sports analogy, who who is friends? Are they are they Alabama? Are they LSU? Auburn? Florida? How would you rate? You're pretty high on friends, so this is a tricky one for you. That Grey's Anatomy. You know, where, where do they fall? You're putting me in a really tough position here. Yeah. Since Friends is a classic, and I feel like it's more for most people than Grey's is, I think I'm going to go with Friends being Alabama, and let's do Al- um, Grey's Anatomy with Clemson. Ooh, I like that's it. That's what I'll do. I'll make them a Alabama Clemson, and then I just, I really don't know who I would pick for my third. But, yeah, let's do Friends as Alabama because it's a classic. They're always up. They'll always be in the top. And then um, Clemson's getting there. So we'll do Grace Anatomy, Clemson. That's what I'm going to go with. Who would the office be? Notre Dame. (laughs) What SEC team would the office be? They could be about Michigan. We'll do something like that. They could be one of the teams that everybody knows about. And everybody always gives them a chance and tries to rank them high, even though they know they're going to have a terrible, not good season, can't compete with anybody. But they always give them a chance for some reason. So I'll put them with, yeah, we'll do like Michigan or Notre Dame, something like that. Florida State. They might actually be 
UCF, the team who thinks they're they're the national champions, but they're not. That that's who I'm gonna go with. That's that's who that's who the office is. I love these UCF. comparisons. I do. I like these comparisons. All right, so we're gonna have to come up right. with a, a system on deciding seedings, and we'll have to come up with a bracket. Yeah, we'll do it. You know, the website, the new website, spiritmedianet.com, bookmark it. We'll be up soon, probably by the end of this week. And we could post something there and have people go there and yeah. cast their vote. So, yeah. We could make it a reply thing on Twitter. People just respond back to us and we'll take their feedback. I like it. I like it. We should start that tonight and see who, who responds and, and what, what are the shows like. Who are your top 10 shows of all time? And just take them from there and see who the people put up all 10 or they might come up with 16. I could probably come up with a a top 15 list of shows. I probably could. I think I might be able to, too, honestly. Okay, we should do that then. And then ask other people to do the same thing. Hey, who are your top 10 or top 15 shows? Let's rank them. Let's do it. Okay, that's going to be our next project. See, we cover everything here. I mean, we do. We go from next week. Okay, so next week on your segment, we're going to talk about, and I, and I want us both to think about this in advance, stories of faith that have impacted us. We'll get a little deeper next week. I've got some stories. You and I were, were, were sharing some stories on text the other day. And I think right now people need to hear stuff like that. I mean, the, the bracket we're talking about coming up with for, you know, top shows, of all time and coming up with a little tournament for it. It's just something fun because there's enough serious stuff that you can get distracted by. And Lord knows we all do it. But also I think it's good to hear stories of faith when people talk about moments where they were faced with this or that and God opened a door. He showed up and he showed out. I think people need to hear those stories right now because we're living in a time where faith is waning. It is. And I think people need to be reassured that he still moves stones and he still parts the Red Sea. So we can share our stories on episode four. That ought to be a lot of fun. So I'll tell you what, how about we'll make a list of our top three moments where God just showed up and showed out. That sounds awesome. I'm excited for that one. I have an incredible story to share. It's going to be, I mean, it's crazy. I'm kind of bummed. I'm not going to get to share it with y'all this week. But I guess there might be a little suspense, something to look forward to. Yeah, it's it's a really good story. It's crazy. It's going to be fun. I, I love sharing those stories. Um, you know, Pervy Green and I, we, we touch on that a little bit later on in the show. He'll be coming up next because faith was such a big part of spirit being launched. I mean, the name is based in the foundation of I wanted to be led by God in every single decision that I made in terms of business. And I wanted to do things the right way. Do I always do it? Good Lord, no. But I wanted God to steer me. I wanted to glorify him with this business to the best of my ability. And so Pervy and I, we're going to touch on that a little bit. Uh, And it was kind of cool to, to relive some of those stories in the early days. So next week will be fun. We'll share some of our top three, top four stories where <laughs> didn't look good, but God wasn't finished just yet. So looking forward to that. So give out your Twitter handle one more time if folks want to follow you for those updates. Okay. It's at Blair Boz on Twitter. Now also on Instagram. I think the Facebook is the same too. 
But here's just a disclaimer. I'm telling you, if you want to see scores, that's great. I'll see scores from these games. But on a regular weekday, I might say something a little controversial. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, maybe just turn my post notifications on for game days and turn them back off because I say some things that people don't really like. But if you like that kind of stuff, I'm your girl. I think that's why you and I get along so well. <laughs> yeah, probably so. I I don't really have a filter, and I've always been like that. Yeah. My, my thing is, if, if one side doesn't have to have a filter, I don't have to have a filter. So. I remember my grandmother telling me a while back, she said, you know, or it might have been my sister, might have been my mom. Heck, I think it's all of them. Told me, you know, that little red light that most people have that it comes on and says, hey, you probably don't need to say that. Probably don't need to text that. Probably, yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, I don't think, well, I think I kind of do actually have that, but I don't care <laughs> at all. You just turn it off. I mean, if I think, <laughs> if I think something is really, really going to hurt or offend somebody, okay, then I might think before I say it. But at the same time, if I feel like it needs to be said, I feel like someone needs to hear what I'm saying, they're going to hear what I'm saying, if you know what I mean. All right, look, we're going to get started on this bracket. I know I'll be talking to you later on in the week, so be safe this week, would you? I'll try my best. You know, it's kind of crazy down here in Hattiesburg, <laughs> but I'll do the best I can. Be safe down there. There's a lot going on in Hattiesburg, as you guys probably heard. So she's Blair Buys. You can follow her on Twitter, at Blair Buys, and she's also on Instagram as well. And so she will be down in Poplarville, covering Poplarville, D'Iberville, and high school football for us this weekend. And so always appreciate Blair when we come back. Pervy Green, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, is going to tell you some stories about How we got this thing started, looking back where spirit started and where we are now, is pretty remarkable when you look at this journey. So he'll tell some stories about that coming up on the other side of this break. Just saying right here on the Spirit Media Network. During times of uncertainty, it's comforting to know we have a healthcare system in our community that's been committed to supporting us for well over a century. In this current time, We are standing together, and our bond is stronger than ever. KDMC, caring for our community like no one else can. At AgUp, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us, or you can build it, price it, and own it with a simple click of a button at agup.com. Build it. Select from tractors, lawn equipment, or gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it. Receive immediate pricing. Own it. Pick it up at your AgUp location. Visit agup.com today to begin customizing your equipment, or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas. We roll on here on Just Saying as we continue to be broadcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio app. You can catch us there, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. I'm still trying to figure out Stitcher. I'm, I used to think I was 
pretty good when it came to technology and all these different apps and, and whatnot. And just broadcasting has come such a long way. <laughs> when I look back at the things that me and my current guest used to have to do just to broadcast a game. One of my favorite guys in the world. And a lot of people don't know that he's the one that came up with the name for Spirit. He's Pervy Green, former broadcast partner, current best bud. And he joins us on the KDMC guest line now. What's going on, man? Not much, man. You um, Do you have the aluminum foil attached to the antenna, <laughs> attached to the wire that goes to the phone line over there? Do people really understand what we used to have to go through when you and I, you and I did games together for 15 years, games and shows. And I don't know if people really understand the things that you and I went through just to get a game off off the ground and on the air. Well, if, if it'll tell you anything you know there was no live stream back then yeah and and when you hear that now it's like man really can't imagine not watching a game without a live stream or <laughs> listening to a game like, oh, yeah there was no live stream back when um that first that first year so it's come a long 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 way 2003 was when you and i first started broadcasting we, we had met a couple of places indirectly before then but really were formally introduced in 2003 and what's interesting is people think that you and i went through this training a regimen or whatever but we didn't. We tried to like watch a game on a VHS tape. That's how long ago this was. It's almost embarrassing to think about how long ago it was. But we try remember we tried to watch a tape of a game that I had on a VHS tape at your office in your conference room there. And we looked at each other and we were like, nah, let's just see how it goes. And the first broadcast we ever did, it started hailing in the second quarter. It was a Brandon Pearl game. So the chemistry was there from the get-go. That's what I remembered about the first broadcast you and I did. And then, of course, the hailstorm. <laughs> what, what do you remember? Well, I, I remember, so football games usually last, what, two, two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. If it's a game with a lot of passes and everything. For the first football game to last for about three hours, no, excuse me, three and a half, Yeah, that was uh, a... <laughs> I got to thinking, surely every Friday night's not like this. Uh, but that, that was a real kind of different, surreal experience. That was, that, yeah, that was our, that was interesting. That was real interesting. But, you know, I mean, like I told you back then, it was like, hey, look, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, you know, I'll spot you four games. And, you know, if I'm bad at it, then you weren't my feelings. Just tell me the truth, you know. You know, and if it's, if I'm good or, or just enough, then, you know, we'll f- figure out the season. But that was interesting that, because I, that's something I never thought about doing. Never playing football through high school or one year of college. Never considered even being part of sports media, sports broadcast or anything like that. So, you know, if you remember when you first asked me, I told you no. <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, because, you know, man, that's just, yeah, that's just not my, you know, nothing venture, nothing gain. And, uh, you know, years later, we did it for several years um, and saw some good games. I mean, saw some really good games over the years. And there was, you know, some games I had to, <laughs> I had to kind of, kind of kick myself because, you know, you, you get caught up in a game, you have to remember, hey, look, quit, you're not a spectator. You're actually, you know, got a job to do here. Um, some of the, the championship games that come to mind, but but um, <laughs> it is a it is a uh, look. It, it, I have a lot of respect for anybody that does it, either on the look anywhere from the play by play person, the color person, the producer, the, the the guy back in the studio. I have a lot of respect for people who have to do this week in a week out. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you told me no, and then when you called back, you said, "Okay, I think I'm going to accept the challenge." You viewed it. As a challenge, and you rose to the occasion, and then the first year we did it, in 03, the ESPN affiliate then called us and asked us 
to broadcast at the time. It, we just had five classes in Mississippi, and they asked us to broadcast all five of the state championship games. And until you've done an entire weekend of five or six championship games, I don't know if you can really understand what we call the broadcast tired until you've done two or three games in one day, and then you turn around and do two or three games the next day, too. And, and you and I have done that several times. We've been fortunate to call, I think at one time, added up, it was 20, 25, 30 state championship games between MHSAA and, and the Private School Association. So, yeah, you remember those marathons we used to do, calling state oh, championship yeah. games? Yeah, and I, I, I remember initially excited about it. Um, but, of course, until you get to, like, the final game on a Saturday night, you're like, man, I am tired. <laughs> How in the world do you make this, you know, kind of make it interesting, exciting when you're just dog tired? It's like, what in the world was I thinking that you could do, you know, you could do three or four or five ball games in a weekend and, and you know, be sharp for each one. And it it is, man, it's, it's a task. I mean, it really is a task. Then I had the crazy notion of one year, I think, and I can't remember why it happened, but I was doing color from the sideline. Yeah, and I was going. I was doing color and sideline broadcasting all in one. I'm thinking, what in the world am I? What am I doing? You know, so I don't, you know, you, you take on these challenges, but it's just you know, it's in the name of uh, taking an opportunity to see what you can do with it. But yeah, that, that was uh, some really good good games. But yeah, it's a. Um, I tell you, it's a, again, I have a lot of respect for for guys who do this season in and season out. He's the one and only Pervy Green joining us on Just Saying on the Spirit Media Network. Yeah, what happened in that situation? And I still have the audio. Next time you come on, I ought to have some of the audio ready from that game. It was 2008. Yeah, I think it was 2008. We had called the South Panola Meridian upset the night before. And Jason Crowder, our good buddy, that was the sideline reporter for the Panola Meridian game in which Meridian snapped the 89-game winning streak that Panola had carried into that. I mean, six years of winning. You look back at that. And Jason could not do sideline for some reason. I can't even remember for that particular, the first game or two on that Saturday. And we were kind of stuck. And you said, you know what? I'll just do it from the field. And I remember thinking, how are you going to do that? And you said, no, I got it. No big deal. And it sounded really, really good. You kept up with it. It was kind of cool to have color from the sideline, you know, because, I mean, you were literally right there in the middle of everything to the point of where a couple of times we could hear the chain crew uh, in your microphone, you know, moving the chains yeah. and everything. So, yeah, I, that was crazy. We've done games, goodness, on top of press boxes where there were, we think there were termites, and we thought we were going to fall in. The wind's blowing us around, thunderstorms, everything you could think of. And I wish people could understand the days, how much easier it is now. The, the grind is hard. There's no doubt about it. The preparation, the research, the travel. But like you said, the tinfoil, the run in the, <laughs> the phone cord, 150 to 250 feet, sometimes 500 feet, just mm-hmm. to get a landline. I mean, we used to do games on cell phones. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, nowadays, smartphones sound like you're standing right there next to somebody. But back in the day, you know, we had the Nokias, the flip phones, everything else. Didn't really sound like you were standing right next to somebody. It sounded like a Nokia cell phone. So when you look at the technology now, I mean, you're doing color for for Brandon High School now. The technology that you guys use compared to what you and I used when we started, you're like, gracious, where was this stuff 10 years ago? It's light years. And um, I remember, uh, I can't remember what year that was, looking at what we were doing and 
looking at what South Panola was doing with Judge Carlson and the setup they had and shaking my head and, and saying, man, you know, how, how in the world, you know, I think he was, you know, he was looking at a screen. That was the weirdest thing. You know, they were broadcasting the game and he was looking at a screen and, and I, and I guess, you know, that's how the, that's how the colleges are done now for the most part. But he was more or less looking at the screen, you know, mm-hmm. kind of looking between the field and the screen. And I'm thinking, well, no wonder he makes it look so easy, you know? <laughs> no wonder he makes it look so easy. So, yeah, and and, and look, in the, in the yard line and the down and the stats and everything's right there on the screen. I'm thinking, man, what in the world are we doing? But uh, it, it is, it is, yeah, and then look at what, what these kids are working with now. It is. And that's the neatest thing, I think, for, I'll say this for, for, for schools that are doing a live stream, I think the neatest thing is it gives kids an opportunity to kind of, that's not an opportunity you and I would have ever had back, mm-hmm. back in that day, unless you just knew somebody's you know dad or something, or, or you, you know, your dad was a coach or something, but, but it really gives some kids a leg up on landing a spot with ESPN, Fox Sports or something, because they're, they're getting involved with some of this live stream stuff really early. You see some of the kids on the sideline and, Operating cameras and the screen and the you know technical part of it on a computer it is it, it's kind of a really a neat thing now uh, really neat so I you know live stream has created a lot of opportunities and made doing games a lot easier. Do you have a favorite game that we did? I'm, I've always wanted to ask you that, and I may have asked you that before. All of them, I, you know. Look, it, it's um, South Panola Meridian well, has to stand up, stand out. I would think. Well, here's the thing about that game. Here, here, here's the thing about that game. I won't say necessarily it was it was my favorite. I saw, I knew that was going to happen. You did if, actually. If you, that Meridian team, if you remember, that Meridian team that year was much like the Pearl Championship year, where Meridian had a, of course, and Tyler Russell had a great quarterback. They had a great offensive line, had decent backs, but they were not. They were undersized on defense. Um, I think. Um, can't remember his first name, but Eason was a defensive tackle. Was not the biggest guy on the field, but he made so many plays. But I would like to say that Meridian team, you couldn't tell them they were going to ever lose a ball game. And if you remember, there were there was one ball game or two ball games that they actually had to come back and win that year. So they were used to being in that situation. And they were just I mean, they were they were confident they were gonna win that game against Panola. And Panola had look, probably one of their best teams and that's funny to say that with all the great teams they've had but probably you know i'm trying to think i I don't have a favorite but i will say a couple of these one stands out and i want to say this was the game that let me take that back there are a couple stand out that there was a game and i don't remember if this was the game that i did color and sideline but it was um leslie peter's last ball game as a coach east marion and you know he had taken east marion i think Mm -hmm. who knows how many championships but he was he was that was his last game he was gonna retire. And they won that game. So to see that and experience it and to see how the kids felt about him and to see that look on his face of getting ready to walk away, glad he's walking away that way. So that that was a, that was an interesting ball game. There's another one that comes to mind, Calhoun City. I don't know why I have this love affair with Calhoun City, but Calhoun City was in a championship game and you remember they lost a player. One of the players died. Um, I think maybe, I can't remember if that was middle of the season or toward the end of the season. And their coach, I mean, man, the, the burden he had into that ball game was, um, that was, that was tough to watch. I want to say they lost that game. One of the few championship games they lost. And, um, 
But he, you know, look, that, that, that kid and that situation really wore it on him. And it was just, you know, you hear the stories of, of what's going on with teams and you, coaches losing players and that whole thing. But, but to, to see it firsthand, just a different dynamic. You know, you hear about it, you, but to see the effect it has firsthand on the coach and the players, although that's a tragic situation, that was special to him. And it was special that night in the way to watch how he got through that game, you know, and then, and then how he got the players through that game and then how he interacted with the players after the game was, was, was kind of a unique experience. One, but I'll always remember that one. I mean, there's so many games. There's, there's so many games to, to try to remember, but that first one though was an interesting game where, you know, you know, that was an interesting ball game. That was really an interesting ball game. Hell starts falling in the the second quarter, and the next thing you know, you and I, the, the, the press box we were in at the time was not – I mean, it was large enough for, for you and I and coaches and official personnel, if you want to call it that. But Oh, man, those press, press box used to be packed with people. I mean, it was – Yeah. It was – it was – it was packed, but but I think the thing, the unique thing with that game was it was the unknown. Mm-hmm. Here, the, the game kicks off, and it's just first it starts off as cloudy, and if I remember, the game did kick off, but it got darker and darker and darker and darker. I mean, like an, an eerie, eerie kind of darkness where you knew something was coming. And and I'll and I'll, I'll share this with you. It was the same eerie feeling I had back in '92 before the Brandon tornado hit. Oh, man. And it was just this quiet, calm before chaos. And you knew something was in the air, but you didn't know what. And like I said, because, you know, back the way that was situated, you could you could kind of see, I mean, how dark it got. And you knew a storm was coming, but you didn't know what was coming. Of course, David Harmon, I think, was in the press box that night. And he was, you know, he was keeping up with, you know, with the weather reports. And it, it started sounding grim and it was like i don't think this game's gonna finish but yeah that, that that first one that first one was one 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 for the ages but but uh that means there's so some i mean so many good games across the years but yeah that yeah i'm sitting here i'm trying to trying to recall a lot of them but yeah th- those those are the ones that stick out in my mind what's funny about that game i remember the next day talking to my my mom and my dad and they were like so we listened you know the parts that you guys did actually play sounded like it went okay and i'm like yeah, I don't know if Purvey's going to be back. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be back because he's thinking, if this is the way we start off, then wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I said, because I already right. had to twist his arm to, to do it, and then he finally came back right. and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up the challenge, and let's see how, how it works out. And looking back, I'm glad that you stuck with it, and I'm glad that we got through that first game because of what, what we experienced in the subsequent years you know, the, the South Panola game, we got to call that. We got to call a lot of great state championship games. Got to meet a lot of great coaches. The story you just talked about with East Marion and, and then Calhoun City. You know, we got to be a part of these incredible stories. You know, in Mississippi high school football, you and I have such an affinity for it. And the reason why is because these these kids and these coaches and these towns in this state – the stories just, they give and they give and they give and they give every year. Every year, you're going to have a great story of a school, a player, a coach. You're going to have multiple stories. And this state is blessed with the, the personalities, the coaches, the players, the, the traditions, the schools. Mississippi gets looked down on a lot, but one thing we can't be looked down on is how we do high school football here. 
I'm glad you and I have, have been able to be a part of that. You know, to me, that's special. In my full-time job, I get to travel across the state a little bit. And um, when you see some of these towns, see some of the schools, see some of the cities, go through some of the counties, that kind of brings home to how important a championship is to a, you know, to a, to a city or to a town, to a county. I mean, it's a big deal. All you got to do is roll up on Bayfield. You know, all you got to do is, is, is roll up on Tylertown. You know, all you got to do is roll up on Mount Olive. Calhoun said there's several others, and they'll tell you how important it is because they've got it. You'll see on one side, welcome to Water Valley. On the other side, you'll say state football champs, 2001, <laughs> 2002, 2008. And, and, you know, and, of course, Panola, that list goes on and on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to baseball, you know, home of the South Panola. And, you know, so, so that tells you kind of how important it is to, to all these towns and cities. And not only that, I mean, to the – man, can you imagine the, the stories that these, these guys have to tell their kids when they grow up? And, you know, some of these guys have kids that's playing now. Um, mm-hmm. How long, you know, we, we've kind of been involved with it. And um, but, but just just how important football is to, to Mississippi and places in Mississippi. And, and I'll say this. This is probably a good time to say this. Um, and I hope somebody understands where I'm going with this. There's several different things that unite people in Mississippi, but the ball is one. We we might not agree on the play called. We we might not agree on the plays and the, the call or all that kind of stuff. But now you go to those football stands everywhere in Friday night, Mississippi, and you you'll see us there together watching games. So I hope that's that's something that's a um, you know, a unique fabric that people recognize and hold on to. I think about you take a town like Puckett, for instance, which has some really good football teams. The town has what, four hundred people? Maybe. If that. Yeah. But they, they play like a team that's got sixty players. Yeah. You go to um West Bolivar, Rosedale. Uh, I almost forgot about Rosedale. Rosedale. I forget how many people are in the town of Rosedale. I mean you couldn't you know, good lord. I mean that that's that's a place that's got, you know, Championships on championships. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the town of Forest, just mm. in case my roommate from college happens to listen to this. Of course, they're not. They're very disappointed with Forest these days. But, but back back a few years ago, look, there I was in a conversation of who's going to win three A, and not only that, you used to ask, okay, what four A or five A team were they going to knock off this year? And that's the way it was. You know, if they had a team that was an upper class on their schedule, usually they they had a chance of winning the game. So you won't find a better better sports state than Mississippi. Just the other night, I was watching an interview with um, Sam Kendricks, gold medal Olympic winner in a pole vault, doing an interview from Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, you know, who would have thought that the, a world leader in, in pole vault, of course, you're not, you're not surprised with track and field, but pole vault would be a Mississippi guy. So, top to bottom, man, top to bottom. It, and it's not just football. It, it is not just football. I'm old enough to remember can't believe I'm too old, I think. But <laughs> I want to remember when um, Kenny Payne, assistant basketball coach at University of Kentucky, played basketball at Northeast Jones. And, I mean, he was like one of the biggest recruits in the country, you know, was playing playoff basketball in the gym at Brandon. So I like to make a statement about, you know, just, just athletes from Mississippi, not just football, but, but just across the board. I don't even have to talk about baseball. If baseball speaks for itself with Mississippi talent, Mississippi athletes. But, yeah, we do tend to get overlooked in several different ways. We tend from time to time to get overlooked in football, but I think we got enough guys that's in the league now 
And if you look at different rosters on the college level, they're, they're making a statement for themselves. And that, look, and that's all due to, to, to coaching. And, and this is a good time to make the statement too. If you find a kid that's got community support, I guarantee you that's a kid that's going to exceed on every level. So I'll have to make a statement too about how important not only the towns and the city, just those operating as a community and then that community supporting that kid on and off the football field. Let me, let me make sure I make that statement because it's one thing to cheer on a kid for, you know, scoring touchdowns and tackles while he's on the football field. But, but if, if that kid has got support outside of Friday nights, that's a kid that's usually going to exceed. I like that. That's what I've always appreciated about these conversations that, that you and I have on air, off air. And, and that's the thing I've always appreciated about you is you have a unique lens that you see all of these situations through. And over the years, it was, gosh, it was incredible for me to have that sitting right next to me, you know, to be able to to see a particular game a different way or see a particular play a different way, see a particular community and how they, and that's what you're supposed to do when it comes to any form of journalism, any form of broadcast, you're supposed to try to see things through a different lens, a lens that no one else is really seeing it through. That's what was so unique. I always thought that that you brought to the table was you would look at things completely different than than the majority, which was so interesting. That's why I leaned on you so heavily when it came to keys to victory, <laughs> because I knew well, I knew you were going to come up with something good. You know, I don't know how good they were or they still are. And, and sometimes I'm wondering when I throw this stuff, stuff out there. <laughs> Like uh, I said something Friday night about not paying attention to the score. And and, and, I, and after I said it, and I, got, and I really thought hard about this, people are going to be like, you're talking about, man. You know, you, you play the game to win. On a first Friday night on a team that's got – that's breaking in and a bunch of young players, new players, I look at look at some teams that's really young, new players, and much like one very hidden fact that people don't, don't know. I, I coached church league basketball for many years. And um, no, it's not AAU ball. No, it's not like coaching school. But some of the dynamics are still the same. And the way I always approached that was, and I used to tell kids, these kids, they want to win. They want to win ball. They want to win every ball game. And if they don't win a game, they're just, I mean, they're just down in the dumps. And I used to always have to tell these kids, listen, don't get concerned with winning every game. Don't get concerned with winning all the time. I, you know, and the point was, the point is, is that you get better at something every week. You know, back then it was your dribbling, your defense, your layups, your shooting, your, you know, whatever. And the same applies. So, um, and that's kind of not something you're thinking about. That is kind of a unique perspective to have that, to know when you're dealing with a young team, it's about the small things getting done better every week. And then what's going to happen is, is, is when you're ready or when it's necessary, that's going to kick in. Tell you a quick, quick, funny story. Um, I had a church league team one year that was not good at all. I mean, just not good. And and I knew we're going to win very few ball games. And I told them, I said, listen, don't get concerned with winning every ball game. What matters is what happens when we play our tournament. And I said, I don't care if we if we last seed or whatever, because if you if you win the tournament, you've done something. You know what I mean? So that team that year, we were last seed. And we knocked off the number one seed in our tournament. And these kids couldn't believe it. And I kept telling them, I said, well, think about it. Man, we were doing pick and rolls and stuff. And we just got better at certain small things every week. And finally, when it mattered, you know, it kicked in. And they were – now, we didn't win the tournament. But um, 
But hey, you know, it was a big deal to, to knock off that, that top team then. And a lot of things, one thing that people realize, you know, I have a few years on you. Um, it may not seem like it. So, <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, but I like to say that, that I've, I've played old school football. I've seen football progress from option to wing tee to spread to, you know, pistol to, you know, base defenses to blitzing every down to, and some things kind of behind the scenes I've, I've, I've seen how they've progressed too. There was no such thing as 707, you know, when I played. And when 707 first started, you kind of looked at it and said, oh, you know, here we go. Another kind of form of AAU. But it took me a couple of years until I finally got it. I finally realized how important 707 really is and how big a deal it really is and how many college coaches go to 707 tournaments to scout players. I've been, been fortunate enough to, you know, thanks to you, have been around this stuff you know, long enough to see how it's progressed. Now, I will tell anybody in a heartbeat, I am nowhere near an expert on football, not anywhere close. But but I think, you know, if you've played it and you've been around, well, you do kind of know, you know a thing or two about, you know, certain things and certain – why certain things happen, certain things that should happen. Football is, is one of those things that uh, – I think I heard Kirk Kershaw say something like this the other day, but, but football is one of those – there's so many things you can learn about life through football. There's so many things that prepares you for life like football. So it's, it's unique, and I know it's unique to you, to see your kid that we saw play back then, to see them as an adult now, just to see how he handles himself, just to see what he's doing on a daily basis and, and you know, how he carries himself. And a lot of it sometimes is due to the, the lessons that he were taught and learned, some of the challenges they experienced through, through football. Well, it's interesting that you say that because you and I have been invited to several signing days over the years. And I think it goes without saying, you and I – together when we've been on the same broadcast crew when we've been a team we've kind of looked at it as kind of a ministry in a way what can we do when we see these kids at practice or after the game or before the game what can we do to encourage them what can we do to plant a seed what can we do to be a positive figure they may never bump into us again but if they do what are they going to remember about us and that was the whole basis a lot of people don't know Again, you're the one that came up with the name for, we started out as Spirit Communications, then became Spirit Communications, the umbrella company for the Spirit Radio Network, and now here we are, the Spirit Media Network. And I'll be honest with you, (laughs) I was telling you this earlier, I look back at where you and I started with this thing, and I look at it now, not that we're, you know, Fox Sports or ESPN or Definitely not saying that. Let's let's not get it twisted. But the things that we're getting to do now with this multimedia platform and whatnot, I'm like, you're on the foundation with getting that kick started, and I thank you for that. There were a lot of conversations that we had over the years. Man, if people could hear the conversations we've had, good Lord. You were foundational in that. You were, and I thank you for that. Uh, you know, I, look, I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't. I, I think I'm going to trust that you're right. That it, well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess that name, yeah, I guess I did kind of come up with the name. Not a you did. But, but look, all of the elbow work and the muscle and this and that, that, that was all you. I, I was just a sounding board and a few ideas, but when it came to, you know, X's and O's, way to put it, um, that, that was all you. So to figure out 
I'm always impressed with anybody that can take an idea and turn it into, you know, something tangible. And pretty much, you know, you just took an idea of something you wanted to do, and then you made it into something tangible. Not only that, I mean, it's something that survived all this time and has transformed. I will, I will rib you and say that some of that transformation should have taken place a long time ago. We won't <laughs> talk about that. We'll, we'll keep that for off consumption. Wait, but wait, wait let, but, let, let uh, me let me say this real quick. I, I have, I can't tell you how many times. I have told people, matter of fact, just this past weekend when I was on uh, the local CBS affiliate here, WJTV, we were talking before and after. I told him, I said, one of my best buds and former color analyst, former co-host and still still sounding board, still, still friend, Pervy Green tried to talk me into this three years ago. And I was just dead set on trying to figure out a way to just focus on radio. And not that there's anything wrong with radio. Right, right. But for me, I didn't want to see the writing on the wall that God was leading me another direction. And he was <laughs> essentially using you to nudge me in that way. And then when David Culpepper came behind about a year ago and said, have you ever thought about this, uh, this idea here? And I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, God, I hear you. I got you. I should have listened to Pervy three years ago and imagine how much further we'd be down the road. But, you know, it happened the way it was supposed to. But you're right. I should have listened to you three years ago. You were the one that tried to get me to go that direction three years ago, and I wasn't because I'm hard-headed. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I'm just messing with it. But, yeah, I think the key thing is you said that sometimes things happen at a proper time. I mean, a lot of – I won't say all the – well, you know, all the time things happen at a proper time. And when you kind of notice how what's, what's going on around you in – media and sports and the way people get their information and the way people get their sports. So, you know, that that ball got the rolling years ago. It, it finally reached high school. And it's just something is it, to look. It's one of those things where, you know, you, sometimes you catch on and get left behind. Being left behind is not a good feeling. Uh, when you kind of really kind of start paying attention to what, what's really going on in media and technology, I, and the funny thing is, I, I don't think we're done yet. Uh, I think there's there's probably one or two more wrinkles. We'll, we'll probably see what, what sports here. here Did you ever think you'd see a, a game with electronic images of people in the stands? <laughs> and I'm still no. scratching my head about that, you know. So I think you, you're still going to see a few wrinkles. But, yeah, it's, it's something I, I we talked about before. And I've said, hey, you know, you ever thought about this? Hey, you ever, you know, thought about that? And, you know, you might want to consider this. Or you might want to consider that. And, look, let me, and, and like I said, I have about 10 ideas a day, and probably one of them is ever a good one. <laughs> you know? So when that one cashes in, sometimes you just have to kind of catch it, you know. One reason I don't play the lottery. But, you know. <laughs> um, but like I said, now, back, back then, I think we had a lot of discussions and, and, and names and mission statements. What's the purpose? But I look, you took those ideas and put them in practice, work with the right people, and, and did a wrinkle here, wrinkle there, a call here, call there, uh, what have you. So, yeah, look, that's that's all due to you. That's all due to you. And I, I want to go back and say something, too. One thing you said, uh, and I think it's really important, even more so today than, than, than then, and this is, this is a message I, I wish, I really wish a lot of high school kids would, no matter the sport, when you're in high school, 15, 16, 17, and you're, you play sports, you're really kind of just really kind of tunnel vision into practice, games, this, that. But the one 
thing that I, I wish kids would take away is that as hard as you work on the um, over-the-shoulder route, the rollout pass, the making that tackle from hash mark to sideline, I wish kids would put that same effort into the classroom and some of the interpersonal relationships with, mm. with you know, their parents, the, the family, the this or that, church, um, because all those things tie in together. The one thing, if, if, if there are any kids that happen to listen to this, this is the one thing I'll say. To, to put a lot of your, your, and it's important for you to work hard and, and practice and weight room and this and that. But if you only focus on that and leave a lot of the other out, you have shortchanged yourself out of the important lessons of football and what football is really supposed to contribute to your life after high school. That, that's a really important thing, I think, to, for kids to know. That for that that same effort and how important it is for you to beat Pearl or, or to beat Brandon or to to beat Madison and Clinton um, to beat Panola, if you would apply that same thing to to that science test, math exam, to that English lit paper, the the relationship you have with your coach, developing that same relationship with a teacher, developing that same relationship with your pastor or your youth pastor or or, or or someone at your church, if you don't apply that same focus then then you're you're really kind of shortchanging what the next chapter is supposed to be. And you and you're playing a, a you're playing a, a a lot of time catching up to that. So I want to make sure I got got that out there. Well look, I'm gonna say this before I let you go. You've been a big part of the ideas, the sounding board. Come back. Come back on. I want us to relive some of our uh some of our glory days there in the beginning, withstanding those <laughs> I remember doing games up in the Delta where we were hanging on to our papers and hanging on to really the railing to try to stand up in the in the wind and the rain and we, we've we've been in some crazy situations and I I hope you'll come back on and we can tell some of those stories. Well, you know, one quick one I tell you and I, and you know because we love Mississippi so much we won't name the school or the town. No. <laughs> um, but I will tell you that I, I had to drive through that town recently and. Uh, <laughs> I happened I happen to look to my left, and I could see the the school and the uh, you know the press box in the field from a distance, and I just shook my head and looked, and I and I almost and I almost drove drove by that that school to see if they've done anything to that press box since then. There, there, I will tell you, there is another school that has not, and it just kind of boggles my mind. It's like, man, this has been the same thing for fifteen years. Come on, guys. <laughs> Uh, looking back on it, I, I'm, I'm yeah, surprised. Looking back on it, I'm surprised none of us got hurt that that I can remember. You know, because some of the situations that we had to broadcast in the middle of, or on top of, or under, or we've done games from the stands. I mean, a little bit of everything, really. And I really look back on it. I'm like, man. The Lord was protecting us for sure. <laughs> we look back at some of these scenarios, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're right. <laughs> from those situations, like, what in the world have we walked into? You know? Oh, man. And I still think back, and I'm like, I don't know why in the world he asked me to do this, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I, I have to credit you for, for years ago nudging me and pushing me to do it. So, um, so you know, thanks to you for, for getting me involved with it in the first place. 
So now, to- I don't know how far it'll go, you know. But <laughs> if I end up landing on ESPN one day, and I'm, I'm really joking, then I'll look back and say, hey, I, I'm, I know how, how I got started doing this. That doubt <laughs> never happened. But thank you for getting me involved with it for all these years, and it's been fun experiences. And um, and, and I tell you, again, I, for all the guys that may listen to this that are doing it now in other parts of the state, and guys, look, guys have been doing it longer than you and I. Hats off to you. I, mm-hmm. I can, I can, my perspective change in my respect to to all of these these older play by play guys, the the, the Carlsons and the uh, God, I can't remember the man in Hattiesburg. Um, oh, Tibbet, um, yeah, Tibbet was down yeah, there forever. Yeah, yeah, but all of these guys that have done it for years. And I'll say this before, and a lot of times they never get the credit that 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 they deserve, mm. or they they never really get the mentions they deserve. Um, so just a recognition to them and some of these, you know, color guys that have been around for years, you know, mad respect for all of them. You're one of them, man. Mad respect for you. And you're still doing it at a high level. And uh, it's it's fun to it's a different perspective to to hear you do a game. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm used to him standing right next to it. So it is kind of cool to be able to sit back and actually listen to you do your thing. As a fan, you know what I mean? To, to not be right next to you, it is kind of interesting just to be, to watch you and, and hear you. And I'm like, man, this is, this is really cool just to be able to take that in. I mean, yeah, I heard it for years, but to be able to not be in the middle of, of the fire, be right in the middle of a game and, and be working and just be able to kind of sit back and enjoy and be like, man, Hard to believe he he almost said no. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I appreciate it, but I, I've got a lot of work to do. I mean, I I've got a lot of work to do. I, there there's there's like, you know, there's fifty areas that uh, I can improve on. And I mean, I was actually disappointed. I'm like, man, you know, and it's just I go through this checklist and I'm like, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do this? And um, but yeah, I've, I've got so much work to do to get better at it. But I, I will say it, it it wouldn't be fair to not not work hard at it or do you know to try to get better at it and to uh, like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how in the world you do a game of the week for, for different teams. I mean, it's, oof, you know, um, you, you better spend some time in it, but, but man, I, I tell you, it, it's fun, but it's, it's some work. I, it's some work if you want to be good at it. Like I said, I, I listen to a lot of you guys on the, you know, the college level. And it's a unique thing to do. It's not the easiest thing to do either color or play by play. Yeah, I appreciate that, but I, I've got some work to do. I think you're still doing it well, and I hope you'll come back on the show. Will you do that? Sure. Yeah, you got to come back on, man. We got sure, plenty. it's just going to be a – well, I mean, look, if, 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 if for the week that we're doing this, there's some – you know, we didn't really talk about this. This has been the most different year in high school and college football in um, decades, I think, since probably – since the World Wars. So to to be involved with it and to see what the kids have to go through, what the coaches have to go through, what the schools have to go through, you know, what these cities and communities have to go through due to the fact that a good portion of them can't go to a game, it, it puts a different dynamic on it. So um, to to be involved with it, it now, it's been very interesting. There's probably going to be a lot to talk about by, oh, the, end yeah. of, by the end of this season. A lot to unpack. Hey, if people want to follow you on Twitter, do do you want to give that out? (laughs) You're new to Twitter, so I'm just trying to I'm just trying to give you some love, man. Well, well, you know, sometimes there's not much love on Twitter. Sometimes there's (laughs) a lot of hate on Twitter. You know, 
<laughs> but sure, it, 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 it's P Green 061, but don't expect a lot because I, I don't really get that active. But uh, <laughs> but I kind of use it to, to keep current on events. Some some I'd rather not. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah. And look, feel free to tell me what I'm what I'm doing right and doing wrong. But P Green 061 at Twitter. Perfect. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's Perfect Green on the KDMC guest line joining us for Just Saying. We'll take a break, come back with more in just a moment. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean-burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we're investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and savings to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Center Point Energy, always there. King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today. topic you'd like discussed on just saying shoot jason an email it's really that simple jason at spiritmedianet.com you never know when your topic or even you may make an appearance on the show now let's roll on here on just saying always stay humble and kind And we roll on here on Just Saying. Thanks for listening wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, the TuneIn Radio app, and Stitcher, which I'm still trying to figure out. And I'm hoping that here in Episode 3, we uncover some things that we need to talk about, but we need to hear it from people that are more so in the know about certain things than we are. And so my next guest, she's a friend. She's also someone who I think is going to be able to provide us some insight on what it's like through the eyes of a police officer living in this day and time. She's Amanda Swain. I'll let you give the official title because to me, you're just, you're Amanda. You're my buddy. And we see each other at Ole Miss games. You've been shooting Ole Miss games for what, seven or eight years now? About seven, eight years. Yep. Yeah. So you're also a police officer. What is your official title there? Police officer, patrol officer, <laughs> yeah, cop. So the reason I wanted to have you on, and, and we talked about this extensively, was you have an interesting vantage point than most in the fact that, yes, you are a cop. Number two, you're a female. And number okay. three, you, you are a, a minority. So yes, sure. in, in those things, you know, you, you don't take offense to that. It is who you are. So you have a different viewpoint on what all is going on in the world, how police officers are being treated, how they're being talked about. You have a different viewpoint, and I can't imagine what it's like to go to work every day. You and I talked about that a little bit this week about the concerns, obviously, are that you don't get to come home, but you could come home sometimes you know, injured or beat up, or you never know what's going to happen when you, when you leave to go on a call. So when you hear and see the things that are being said about police officer with the training that you know you had to go through 
and knowing the, mm-hmm. the people that you work with and knowing the kind of person that, that you are. You know, I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last several years. What comes to your mind? What reaction do you have? Uh, a lot of emotion, to be honest. But I mean, the first, first thing that really just goes to my mind is we're not all the same, first of all. And then second, you know, how can you place that judgment when you don't know the heart behind the batch? I mean, you only see what you're being shown. And to actually come along and walk beside us or even friend us out of uniform is what I hope a lot of the public would at least try to do. It makes me no different than being who you are. I mean, and what you do, everyone has, has chosen a career, a white coat, a uniform, you know, whatever that is, but we're all human underneath. And yes, this is a higher profile and higher standard and, and all of those things that we are placed upon. But at the end of the day, I come home Amanda and I, I pray that I come home Amanda, that's the friend, the mom, the, you know, the sister, the daughter in one piece. Um, so I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, please, whoa, stop with the assumptions. Just get to know me, get to know us and um, and why we chose to do and why we continue to choose to do what we do. Yeah, that that's the first thing. It's just, it's just a punch in the gut. I mean, come on, y'all, listen, look, watch, observe on your own personal experiences, not what you're hearing and necessarily seeing. Well, your personal story, let, let's go back and touch on that because you are of Indian descent. And your mom, she was Caucasian, is that correct? And your dad was Indian. Yeah. So the story yeah. of your parents and your dad coming to America and in your background in and of itself, yeah. I, I think sheds light even more so on kind of how awesome it is that you are a police officer even now here in 2020. So how would you describe your background, your, your upbringing? Well, and, and since we, we mentioned Mississippi already, I mean, my father was from India. Um, unfortunately, both of my parents are deceased now. My mother was um, from Maryland and she had, yes, the white Caucasian. I like to joke to people and say, if you can imagine mixing chocolate milk. I mean, we've got white <laughs> milk and we've got serious, serious dark chocolate going into a cup and there's me. I mean, that, that's literally my, you know, it's that permanent tan that I, I love and people envy, but he from India and then my mom from, you know, here in America. But the cool thing also is that she also had Native American. So there's the other joke in it that I'm dot and feather. You know, I've got mom, my dad coming from the dot side and then my mom coming from the feather side and there's me. So hot mess in, in between. But the thing is though, is it, if you look at it and people saw us, because we were in Mississippi, raised there, and I boast that you literally see black and white. Born and raised, starting up in Oxford, I learned to walk in the grove. I mean, Ole Miss is home. So, you know, I saw at a very early age and heard about it, um, you know, racism, because I was looked at as, you know, what are you? <laughs> you know, you're, your dad and this and your mom and that. And so, so that's the background. But I, I can say this, that... Um, I have a lot of disrespect for my dad, but it, it wasn't something that we basically went with. You know, it was, what are, what does it matter what we are? We're American. I mean, that was his heart coming from India because it was, I'm American now. I don't know what you see. I don't know if you're seeing color. I don't know what you're, where you're going, but that's just not something that we were raised with, if that makes any sense. And in Mississippi, I mean, it was there. Racism was there. I was called names. My father was called names, but I didn't use that to define me going into life. So, yes, being who I am now and being a police officer with that background, it, it does get a little painful at times to hear people call me a racist. And I'm thinking, 
do I look white? Do I look black? I mean, mm. what, what do you mean? What is racism? What is a racist? That's not me. So, yes, there's the background um, probably being raised in the worst part of the South back then because um, Mississippi, unfortunately, carries that. And um, I hope that we can start to get away from it. It hurts me to know that my home state still kind of carries that. You know, again, it's, it's the people. <laughs> People are the ones that are going to have to change it everywhere, really. She's Amanda Swain, friend of the Spirit Media Network. And I think it's interesting because of the things that have occurred with the Ole Miss football team, Mississippi State football team, Southern Miss football team, the, the marches and the protests. And, and certainly you and I are, are sensitive people. When you see those things, I'm curious what goes through your mind because – you, you understand what it's like to be profiled. You understand what it's like to be judged by the way that you look. You're all too familiar with how that feels. You identify with that. And I think that the right. thing that gets lost in all of this is there are, there are other peoples, there are other creeds, there are other nationalities, there are other people. They, they know what it's like to experience mm-hmm. racism. They understand what it's like to be judged by the color of their skin. It's not inherent just to African-American people. And you've experienced that in your own life. So can you remember times that you did experience that maybe in your childhood, maybe even as an adult? Um, Well, of course, the most recent being a a person of color in uniform, I have been called a racist on an actual arrest um, situation. And I'm I'm, I'm just blown away by it. But I, I just chalk it off as, you know, it, where it's coming from. And then secondly, yes, it, it does go back to the childhood. I mean, I, for lack of saying better words, if you could just imagine when I say the word sand with the N word ending mm. in R, I mean, that was something that I was called. Um, people didn't understand. And I say that, I say people, I say, and I mean kids, they didn't get it. And unfortunately, looking back at it now, you know, some of them are my friends now, and I, I have to take it as they weren't taught any better. You know, I mean, for them to come up with these words, it's like, how do, how do you even know what that is and what to, to know my background had to have obviously been taught or heard by somebody that's, that's older, an adult, a parent even. But yeah, and I, and I remember coming home, and I think that was probably as early as eight years old, and, and asking my dad, what, what does that mean? And, you know, he tried to explain to me, and again, I'm asking a foreigner who's, you know, in this Mississippi, trying to tell me, you know, it, it's a mixture of you, unfortunately, being black and white. I'm dark, your mom's white, and that's just where we're at now. But again, it's not going to define you. It's not going to stop us from being who we are here in this state. Him especially, he proved himself worthy enough to be educated and fight and do all the things that he got to do before, unfortunately, he lost his life. So yes, I mean, that that hit. But again, like I said, I think we've talked about this before. I've maybe told three or four people that I was called that in my entire life. And that's mostly because it's not who I am. I didn't stop. I didn't play victim. I didn't let it define me. I didn't let it stop me in a country where I can do whatever I want if I choose to. So here I am. <laughs> so yes, unfortunately, I have been, I've been on the other side of it being called something I, I know I'm, I'm far from. I can't imagine how painful that is. And and I guess that's personally my frustration is I know people like you and others who have been victims of racism, but the the spotlight right now is in the African-American community. I, I'm not saying that there's not racism. Of course there is. But to to insist, basically call it the gospel truth that 
the African-American community is the only one that can experience racism, uh, to me, is it's audacious to make such a claim because certainly you've experienced. It is an unfair statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just my background telling you the Native Americans, we don't, you know, they, no one harps on that anymore and where I come from and with the people, my ancestors and what they went through. I mean, yes, I think the black community, obviously I'm acknowledging my heart goes out to what they are experiencing. But I think again, and I hate to go back this way because media plays a huge part. Mm-hmm. What are we educating? What are we throwing out there? We're, we're only throwing out one side, one race, unfortunately. Let's bring it back in and let's figure out what we're going to do about this. You know, that that's the huge uh, problem I have, the one-sidedness. We're hurting more by, because we're remaining one-sided. Let's fix it. Uh, how do we go forward? You know, those are things that I think about because, yes, it has been, it's been around as long as I've been alive. And it's like, when does this stop? You know, we march, we preach, we throw it on the news every other second. But yet, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, it's it's all of this reaction instead of proaction. Mm. Let's be proactive, not reactive. You know, and that's unfortunately in the police side. You know, we're always hearing police shoots, police shoots, police this, police does this, police negative this. Okay, well, why is this stuff happening? You've put targets on us. The media has put spotlights on my back. And I take huge offense to that for me and my brothers and sisters. I also take huge offense to the targets that they're placing on the black community. Stop with that. Both sides. Stop. It hurts me to remain one-sided. And you hit on it a while ago with the marches. I love my Ole Miss team. I love, love, love the SEC. But when I saw what I saw, I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie. It, it hit me in the gut. Police brutality exists. I have posted a picture about it personally, posing myself. But. Was every football player on board? I guarantee somebody in that group has law enforcement in their family. What about the other side? What about the pro-police side? That that goes back to what I was just saying about remaining one-sided. How do we bridge the gap? If you've got a platform that big, make sure you're not using it just to remain relevant, just to keep your program in the spotlight because the NFL and every other team is doing it. Mm. Let's have somebody stand up and do the opposite. Hey, black blue, white, green, red, whatever. Let's stand together and march and fix. Awareness, awareness, awareness. I'm over it. Like COVID. I'm over all the awareness. Mm. How do we fix it now? You know? And what's and what's interesting about the march, you and I were talking about this earlier this week. I wonder how many of those how many of the past Ole Miss players that you've become close with, become friends with because you're there shooting mm-hmm. the pictures, you've gotten close to some of the families. Right. And I, I really wonder, we had said this, you had said this earlier this week, you wonder how many of them actually knew that you were a police officer. And then the current team, you right. wonder how many of those football players actually know that, that they see you at the games, they see you at the basketball right. game. I saw you recently at a basketball game at Ole Miss. How many of these players know that you're a police officer? And you wonder what their reaction would be if they knew, oh, a man is a police officer. Yeah. What do you think their reaction yeah. would be or should it be? I mean, I know the, at least the ones that have previously gone on to the NFL, I am remaining friends with. And I know if I crossed them in the street, it'd be nothing but a high five, love, hugs, how you doing? Um, and I've had even some of their parents wish me well and pray for my safety. But I do think the new ones probably don't. And I, I would hope now that when they do see me, they'll be in mutual respect. But I also want to go a little bit further with that. I hope they also know that I'm there as a photographer, but my brothers and sisters are there to protect them. 
and there are Oxford police and there are university police and there are undercover police standing there protecting, watching everything that they may not be seeing that's going on. And how many times are they shielded from something that is about to happen because of a cop? And so I hope they're mindful of that. Yes, it is hard sometimes to draw the line and be a photographer and not cop because I kind of do the same when I'm there. I'm watching them also for safety as well as that great photo. Um, but yeah, I know those that have previously gone. I mean, I, I, there's so many um, that I, I remain close with that are actually using their platforms to be informative. And I'm extremely proud of what they're doing. And some, yes, are of a mixed color or a black or a white, all of it. And they're, they're speaking up. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't heard anything negative in regards to police. So again, this goes back to when you're blessed with the platform, what are you doing? Are you remaining one-sided? Are you being open-minded? Are you bridging that gap with such a huge platform? They need to use that to their advantage as well as the advantage of their communities and the whole country for that matter, because the media spotlights them. Well, let's use that to keep it going for both sides of this. And I hate to even keep saying both sides, but I feel like it's turned into a us versus them. And I can't mm -hmm. stand that. I hate that. But, you know, here I am hoping, you know, I've been to the pro peaceful protest and I've been to the, the police side of it. I'm on both sides of this in the media and as a cop. And that's why I find this so unique and so blessed to be able to do because I can cross over, if that makes sense. How many more people out there can cross over and keep going back and forth and communicating? People will listen to what they understand. So if we're not explaining it, they're never going to get it. You can't get there without communicating and keeping an open mind and listen as well. You know, when you close-minded, yeah, forget it. There's no point. But that's something we've got to stop doing. Got to. We're not going to get any better. Not going to get better. She's Amanda Swain joining us on the KDMC guest line. Here's the other thing that you and I were talking about is the marches, the protests, everything. Some of the pushback, some of the quote-unquote outrage, I would encourage those people to dig a little deeper into the statistical data, right? Because the, the mainstream media is going to show you what they want to show you. And right. every time we turn around, it's an African-American male and a white police officer of some kind. But if you mm -hmm. dig into the numbers, and the numbers tell sometimes a different story. Is that true? It, it does. And, um, and I, would, I would highly recommend, and I, again, I've got some numbers that I'll throw out and share with everyone, but I, again, encourage people to do their own research. And that's not watching Fox News or CIN or listening to even you and me. The Internet, and I say Internet, meaning FBI Internet, go on that website. Look up every year, every color, whatever you want to know and get that information because that's the stuff that a good reporter should be pulling and showing you. Black on white, white on white, black on black, white and black. I mean, it, it is there. And then you even knock it down a little bit more, Hispanics, Indians, anyone of color, we're getting assaulted and shot at as well, and if not, killed. So I will knock on this just because of the police side of it, but we don't think about, you know, when I get out, I, I'm a faith, I, I pray. I say a quick prayer, you know, God be with me because I'm about to meet whoever I'm about to meet and whatever goes from there. But most, this is going back to 2018 because the numbers for 2019 are not out yet. But we also, for a split second, it crosses our mind, not necessarily that we might die in this situation, but that we might get beaten to a pulp to where we have to retire. Us police are assaulted all the time. 
it's going back to 2018, we had almost 60,000 assaults against police officers. Gracious. 60,000. That's an FBI stat. It was like 59 and some change, whatever it is. My point is, though, we're getting hurt, too. Shots aren't always fired in these situations. That's what the media wants you to think. They're not telling you about getting beat up in the face, punched in the gut, a radio being snatched, being shot by with our own weapon, tased with our own stuff, sprayed in the face when we're trying to spray and help ourselves. And let me not even get into female on male, male on female. There's a lot of injury going on. And that's something we also have to think about. Yes, we signed up for it. And yes, I'll continue to do it. I'm tired of hearing that. You signed up to be assaulted. No, I didn't. I signed up to make a difference. That's why I do it, and that's why I continue to do it. 2019, we had over 147 killed. 2020, as of the number right now, is about 180 killed, but about 100 of that is COVID. We're still working. We're still out there doing our job. And I don't know what the numbers will be once the end of the year goes on to. But again, I can throw stuff out. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to do your research. Yes, I want you to hear my heart. I want you to know that I'm a human too, but I want you to stop listening to the mess on your television and get out there and actually start researching and start talking to cops. Let's understand why people are the way they are, and then let's stop passing it from generation to generation. You know, I was talking earlier about childhood. That was the 80s. It's 2020, and I'm still seeing what I was seeing as a child. Why is that? Because mama and daddy are teaching brother and sister, and brother and sister are becoming mommy and daddy and teaching brother and sister, and it continues. The victim mentality is what's destroying us. We're teaching us to continue to carry the baggage of an ancestor we probably never, ever knew Mm. and obviously will never meet. So (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm preaching. Preaching is encouraged. I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, and I, I just, that's the thing. I wish people understood the passion that a lot of us cops are carrying. And that's why we haven't turned in the badge. We don't want to. We don't want to stop fighting. And I won't. I I refuse to. But I will say this. It's not my job to risk my bodily injury for safely resisting arrest. I'm not going to go out there and put myself in a situation because you can't comply and you don't respect me. That's why things turn the way that they do. And unfortunately, people aren't understanding that either. Just comply. Just listen. Yeah, I know there's going to be argument on that, but I'm going to tell you this. I have a body cam, and there's usually about 50 cell phones nearby me that if something goes down, that's going to cover it. And I also have a supervisor that's going to watch my body cam and correct me if I'm doing something wrong. Battle it out in court. Just, you know what, hands up. Whatever you say, sir, you're wrong. Whatever you say, ma'am, you're wrong, but I'm going to listen to you because I don't want to get shot, beat up, whatever it is that they think might happen when they come encounter with a police officer. And I will say this, too, because I mentioned it earlier. I have been in the middle of a peaceful protest in Memphis, Tennessee. And you can only imagine what that's like. And I was there as a photographer, but I was also there as a cop on the inside. No one knew that. They saw a photographer, and that's all they saw. And there was one chant that I repeated over and over and over in my my head. It's the part where it kind of made me sick, but it also made me understand that this is real. And the chant was, I got my hands above my head please don't shoot me dead. That hit hard in the heart of my soul because it's sad that we have black parents that have to teach their black children to say that chant so they'll remember it when they come encounter with an officer. And that that disturbs my soul because unfortunately there are bad officers 
And the fact that these kids got to learn this chant so they'll remember it, because we learned by singing. We've learned that since, you know, we were kindergarten. That's something that I want them to remember then. Keep those hands up then, because then if something happens, then yes, that is on us. Yes, that's on the blue community. That's on the cop that not, did not do their job correctly. But just do your part. We're going to be held to a higher standard in court and, and, and in our own department. So just listen. You know, just whatever's going down, just listen. And I have had many, many encounters with black individuals on traffic stops and in situations where they have respected, where they have said, whatever you say, ma'am, and they have done all that they've done to make that scene a lot easier and, and, and done quickly. And as well as, you know, other situations where different color, it's, it's, again, it's in the raising. I've had a situation where I've actually thanked the parent because they had to come to the scene to get a juvenile for their child being so respectful to me in uniform. And their response to me was, that's what I teach them. You're of authority, whether you're right or wrong, you're still an authority figure in that uniform and my child will respect you. That's what we need more of and vice versa. Treat someone the way you want to be treated and that's how it's going to go down. I mean, that is how it's going to go down. That's the golden rule. It's what we learned when we were kids. And and piggybacking off of something you just said, it sounds like, and this is just from my viewpoint, having friends here in my hometown that are police officers that have worked their way up, even in administration and law enforcement. One of the things that I hear and that I see and that I think I just heard in what you said is, a lot of this is just comply, is, is what you're being taught at home. Just submit to authority. It's really that yeah. simple. And the one thing about all of these instances that we've seen publicized ad nauseum, just to the point of where you just get sick of seeing it, if you want to know the truth, all the things right. that are on television in every single situation, what was the common denominator? The person would not comply. And then it just yeah. went downhill from there. So... As a police officer, I think I can only imagine what it's like when you tell someone to comply and they don't. It just goes downhill from there. I mean, am I picking up on that? It absolutely is. It's frustrating. And then it does get a little bit more concerning. And and I will say this, and this is a training tactic that I think the community doesn't understand. We're trained to constantly watch hands and our surroundings. Most people don't think if I've stopped somebody in the neighborhood, they don't think that there's a child that I see maybe 50 yards up on a bicycle watching. If this person that I'm encounter with decides to do something stupid, I've got to make sure that child is also safe. So when your hands are not, that's why I just went back to that chant. Don't reach, don't grab, don't put anything, don't put your hands in your pocket. Don't do any quick whatever, because it's not just about you in that moment. It's about, all around you in that moment. So think about where where I'm coming from. I'm trying to make sure you, them, her, him, that person in the house, the car that just drove by is also safe. So it, it, it just goes back to, again, try to understand a little bit of our training. I wish everybody that went to get a driver's license had to sit through some kind of police one-on-one so they would understand mm. what's happening on a traffic stop why we do and why we say what we say. It's not necessarily just about you and me. It's what's going on continuously. And sometimes we're on main highways. You know, there's cars constantly flying by. We've got to secure that. We got to make sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
So why not help us out? I mean, that's your part as a registered citizen, as a, a person with a driver's license, as a person with a with a gun permit. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You know the law, too. I recommend that highly, too. Read the law yourself. Understand why we're enforcing what we're enforcing. So you get it. I think what you just said is a good place. I can't believe we've been talking for this long already. But yeah, I told you we could keep going. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I do want to have a, a revisit of this down the road. But I think what you just said can kind of sum up where where I feel we are in all of this. It's not just about you and me. It's about everybody. Thank you. It's not just about one race or or, or one or, or one gender, as I knock my microphone over, one gender, one race. It's about Absolutely. all of us. It's versus evil. That is the bottom line. Mm. That is the bottom line. People need to look at it that way. That takes color. That takes gender. That takes your profession. That takes what color clothing you wear to work. Uniform, white coat, scrubs, you know, whatever it is, it's good versus evil. If people could put that in their mindset, stop with everything else. What is good? What is evil? And what are we going to keep teaching the next generation? That is the bottom line. Before I let you go, and and thank you for doing this, by the way. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Here's the thing that I'll add before we let you go. You're a extremely talented photographer do you, do you want to tell I folks do. where they can find if they want to if they want to hire you for a photo shoot oh, how can they find well, thank you, you. Yeah. <laughs> i'm not trying to promote my business but i appreciate it yeah. i mean most people know amanda swain photography on facebook i i shoot for the rebel walk as well i shoot for anybody that wants me to um but yes that that's probably the best thing amanda swain photography facebook instagram I'm sure you'll have something attached to this where they could, you know, check on it or look for it. But yes, I appreciate that. I'm I'm headed to Ole Miss tomorrow. Actually, I love it. That, like I said, is home. Um, and so I, yeah, any opportunity I can get, I, I love because that too gives me an opportunity to, to talk to people, and that's what it's all about talking to people well you're one of the more interesting people in my circle and that's why i I wanted to to have you on and uh it'll be good to see you during football season hopefully and hopefully yeah hopefully (laughs) that's another that's another conversation right yes sir Uh, sir. she's amanda swain look thank you for your service to your community being a police officer like you said you're a mother you're you're a daughter you're a friend you're a police officer photographer yes. and uh, i know your parents are proud of you i know that they are Thank so you so much and that means uh, a lot. yeah so she's amanda swain you can find her on facebook amanda swain photography instagram find her all over social media and she's joining us on the kdmc guest line we'll take a break come back with more in just a moment the spirit media network is providing coverage of sports faith and entertainment like no one else in mississippi and the deep south No other media outlet touches all the bases as we do, from the Friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics. Be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and by downloading our Roku slash smart TV channel, Spirit Live. Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts. And stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network, where we're changing the game. 
At AgUp, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us, or you can build it, price it, and own it with a simple click of a button at agup.com. Build it. Select from tractors, lawn equipment, or gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it. Receive immediate pricing. Own it. Pick it up at your AgUp location. Visit agup.com today to begin customizing your equipment, or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas. is presented by King's Daughters Medical Center. Visit kdmc.org to learn more about the KDMC Touch in caring for you and your family. Now, here's Jason. And we welcome you back to Just Saying. Thanks for listening wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, the TuneIn radio app, Stitcher. I'm still trying to figure that out. I need a class on Stitcher. I'm not quite sure what that is, but we're glad to be there. And wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. And we encourage you to share the link, download it. We did set some records in our first week, so we're proud of that. And so we're still trying to set records every week as we roll on here in episode three. So pleased now to be joined by a friend of the Spirit Media Network and former, that sounds weird to say it now because it's official to say (laughs) former WJTV sports anchor Samaria Terry. And I'm still sour, but I am proud of you. I'm, I'm proud that you're heading on to... To Memphis now and you'll be doing a lot of different things there so thanks for jumping on for a few minutes with us and, and talking about what you'll be doing now so what will you be doing what what is the rate the tv station that you're headed to and what will you be doing there just for folks that maybe didn't catch it right well thank you for having me um but I'll be at WREG and I'm pretty much going to be doing the same thing that I do now I'm the weekend for anchor slash reporter so I will report during the week, and then I'll anchor on the weekend. Um, WREG is one of our sister companies, so the transition is going to be smooth. And um, I already know NetStar. I know the company well, so it should be really easy. Um, Obviously, I'm going to just try to continue to do the same thing that I've done in Jackson, which is make connections, do those, you know, stories that people aren't really doing uh, just on a larger scale. So, And I think that's why you and I get along the way that we do, because <laughs> you, you always are trying to think out of the box. You're trying to think of what is it that people aren't doing, and you try to go that way to kind of yeah. carve a niche. And I really enjoyed the stories you did here in Mississippi, some of the sit-downs you did with Coach McNair at Alcorn State, the original Air McNair. And, and you yeah. kind of uncovered that. Uh, you sat down with a lot of different folks, but I am curious. We'll dig into some other things, but I am curious how you would rate the favorite stories that you got to cover. Do you, do you have a top three, a top five? I know that's hard to narrow it down, but if there's yeah. one that, that stood out to you as your favorite or tell you what, how about one that challenged you to where you had to dig a little deeper, do a little more research because... You know how it is when you're interviewing folks. Some interviews, your muscle memory will take you one way, and you're like, nope, I can't go that way. This interview, I got to I gotta kind of work a little harder, kind of go some places that I'm not used to going. Right. When you sit down with somebody, was there an interview that, that challenged you a little more than... So I have I have two that challenged me differently. Um, I, the first one that stuck out to me just as far as research was probably my sit-down with this Gallagher. Um, because I'm not really a huge golf person, definitely 
didn't know a lot about Mississippi amateur golf. Um, her husband was a big golfer. So I think like as far as like researching, I really had to come in with notes for that one. Um, I think that my story on the JPS basketball dynasty pushed me to the edge. I mean, it was a 10-minute piece that I had like three uh, 20-plus minute interviews that I had to go through and had to go through all of these highlights. And I mean, that was one that I was up at work until two o'clock in the morning on some nights getting that together. But that was like one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I remember that one. That one was really good and, and well done. And, you know, I, I wish people could understand all the work that goes into just one interview. And then when you put together several, because it's not like every person that you sit down with comes with cliff notes to where you just say, mm-hmm. yeah, these are the questions I've got to ask. And you want to ask questions that they haven't gotten before. And, and I think that that's what you've been able to do in, in your interviews. So what's the experience been like in Mississippi? Because I know for, for me being a native Mississippian, I'm always curious to hear what people's experience is when they're here. Of course, we hear a lot about, wow, the hospitality is great. The sports is, is never ending. Uh, there's always something breaking, as we saw over the weekend with Jay Hobson at Southern Miss. I mean, there's always something breaking. But I am curious what what your experience in Mississippi has been like in terms of covering sports. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I definitely slept on Mississippi talent-wise. Um, didn't really, I guess, just being from Georgia, and then I worked in Texas for a few years, um, and then I went to school, obviously, in Alabama. Like, for some reason, I just always skipped, I just skipped over Mississippi, but actually living here and covering the sports, I'm like, wait a minute, we really have some talented people that have come out of the state. Uh, I think that was one of the things that really surprised me. Yeah, the high school football here, I know the the JUCO football here in Mississippi has always been really, really good. I mean, what is it, six, seven of the last nine or ten national champs in JUCO football have been from Mississippi. Of course, the high school talent is is phenomenal, and that's what I always tell folks, you know, when they first come here, when, when Noah first came here. I was telling him, I said, look, Brett Favre, it's no secret, Brett Favre, Walter Payton, Steve McNair, Fred McNair, Jerry Rice, the list goes on and on to the people, Jarius Norwood, yeah. Deuce McAllister. So uh, you have to remind people sometimes, but I think you, you got to see it up close and personal, which is pretty cool. So you and Noah have, to me, one of the most cordial relationships on camera. I, I guess what I mean by that is – you know, when the lights come on and that red light goes off, you, you've got to, you have to act a certain way. You have to act like that's the most favorite place on the planet for you at the moment. But you guys genuinely got along. You guys genuinely uh, looked out for one another and you, you had a great, great partnership and the chemistry was incredible. So what's a Noah Newman story that you've got for us? <laughs> He's going to love oh, this. Lord. Um, oh, God, what is the Noah story I have? I probably think, like, the most the funniest thing about Noah is about shoes. And so, like, you know, when we go to Oxford, we always have Ben Craddock on the show, and he's this big shoe buff. So um, we'll always, like, you know, talk about shoes and have shoes. And he always mistakes Jordan 1 for Air Force 1. That's really funny. He always <laughs> says that. Um, but when Noah first got there, you know, obviously it is, it is a weird dynamic to have somebody that's already there you're coming in, uh, you know, he's my boss, um, but I'm kind of having to show him the ropes a little bit. But he was just so respectful. He says he always called it a, a partnership. 
And I think that that was something that just really resonated well with me when he got there because I, I felt like he really respected me and kind of a little bit of the work that I had put in before he got there. And I think that that just, you can just, like you said, you can see that on air. You can see that in our just day-to-day, um, how we communicate with each other, how we talk to each other. We always have fun. We're complete opposites. <laughs> so I think <laughs> how, that, that just really works for us. How so? You, you guys said that on the your final show the other night. And I, I was glad to be a part of that, yeah. for the record. I was glad to be there. And that was it's Super always a lot of fun. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, I had to be there for that. Yeah. Y'all said that you're total opposite. So what, what what do you mean by that? Sure. So Noah isn't really structured. Um, his desk <laughs> is a little messy. You know, you, you never know, like, what he's thinking. He's just, he'll do, like, karate on air and dance and um, just do fun stuff, say fun stuff. You know, like, where I'm more, I'm really conservative on air, more serious. <laughs> Um, I'm more structured, more organized in our day-to-day stuff that we have to do. Um, so that's how we're different, just personality-wise. And I think that, that I think a lot of people like that. They like the different dynamics between Noah and I, and that works for us. So <laughs> I still think the one of the funniest things was the Egg Bowl special in Startville this past year. And I'm up there hanging out with you guys all day. And to start the show, he jumps like out of the bed of the truck. <laughs> Onto the, onto the set. That's how he opened the show. And he told me he was going to do that. And I said, do you, do you have clearance to do that? And he's like, I guess. You know, he's, he's like, I'm going to do it. And you're right. Just the karate chops. You never know what's going to happen. And I think that right. energy, you guys played so well off of each other. And it's yeah. rare to see a one-two combo like that, that the chemistry's there. It's not forced because you can't teach that. You can't force it. You've either got it or you don't, and you guys had it. So it's going to be a long time before we have another one-two punch like that. I'm just saying. Oh, I hope yeah. not. I don't know. And I get it. You you get to go now and, and cover professional sports, college. You're going to probably get to cover high school if I had to guess. That's a pretty good description of you and Noah. <laughs> So if there is one memory, just not sports related, but just one thing that a memory that you're going to take from Mississippi as you move on to Memphis, it doesn't even have to be sports. Is there something that sticks out to you? I think it's probably going to just be like my send off and just like me announcing that I was leaving and the support that I received. Cause I, you know, I feel like a lot of times you, you do work and, you may not necessarily want accolades or want recognition or want someone to say, oh, job well done. But I think once you do your time somewhere and you leave and then you just see the outpouring of support, like that was really overwhelming to me <laughs> in a good way. Um, I think that's something I'm just going to always remember is just how Mississippi sent me off and um, they actually liked to watch me. <laughs> I mean, look, it you guys were, were who I watched when it came to sports. And it wasn't just because I felt like we had become friends in the last year. But, I mean, you guys knew your stuff. I mean, you, you can be friendly. and You can be a nice person all day long. But if you don't know your stuff, people aren't going to watch. But you guys would right. do the research. And you knew your stuff when it came to, to covering the sports. And you've got a, a great crew there between Byron and Melanie and Ken and, and the whole crew there. So, the, the WJTV family, I mean, you guys genuinely liked each other, it seemed like. Yeah, I agree. We did, yeah. All right, so how's Auburn going to do this year? Ooh, you know what? I really hope that we – I hope we do better. 
I just felt like last year we had so many games that we were really close. You know, like that LSU game still haunts me at night. Um, so I just hope that, you know, Bo Nix is ready. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But ugh, I don't know. I need to, my mom's sitting right, right here. I need to ask her how she thinks all my going to be next year. <laughs> you sound disturbed over it. You sound conflicted over how they, they're going to do just, this year. <laughs> I just, I just really hope that they do good because it just seems like we have these seasons where, okay, we have this this team that we think is going to be it's going to be okay. We have a returning quarterback, we have some really good players, and then it just never works out. I don't know what happened. Auburn just Auburn, and it hurts. <laughs> well, you've seen how crazy things can get here in Mississippi, particularly the Egg Bowl. So we'll see how that right. Yeah. Uh, who do you like in the Egg Bowl this year? I didn't get to ask you that on Ooh, the show the other night. Um, oh, Lord, I don't want to step on any toes. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to just go Ole Miss just because. Really? I just And we talked about this Sunday. I just feel like Mississippi State has a lot of stuff going on as far as changing their offense. And, I mean, if they can pick it up fast, it would be great. But I just feel like Lane Kiffin has two really good running backs. He has two really good quarterbacks. I think either one of them could possibly come in and do a good job. I just fear for Mississippi State's offense being able to do a complete 1-8. So we'll see how that goes. All right, before I let you go, and if you don't want to ask, okay. if you don't want to answer this, that that's fine. But I, I'm piggybacking off a conversation we had at the Christmas party. So if I know okay. that someone believes I'm going to ask him about it, and that's one reason I gave you the going away gift that I did. So yeah. how does faith play a part in how you get through? Because there's some grueling days covering sports. Oh People yeah. don't see the, the kind of work that you guys put in. So for you, for Samaria Terry, how does faith get you through those moments? I mean, and just the business is just, is, is kind of cutthroat just in general. Um, just for me, like my first job, I, I got fired from my first job. And mm. I was going to get out of the business completely. Um I'm 22 years old, fresh out of college. I got this job, and I was not really good at it. They didn't want to, you know, maybe give me a little bit more time that I felt like I should have gotten a little bit more time to work on it. But I think that completely changed my outlook on on the business and just really on life. Like, I didn't take anything for granted. I remember during that period of time, I prayed, like, harder than I've ever prayed before. Um, and so it's just crazy to think that, like, I would have gotten out of the business completely, but God was like, no, Samaria, like, get up and let's, let's keep going. Let's keep applying for other jobs. And then I was able to get a job in Texas, and that's where I got my foot in the door for sports. And now, you know, did my time in Jackson, and now I'm going to Memphis. It's just really, it's really crazy, but I have to thank him for all of that. That's awesome. That's a, he still parts Red Seas. He does. He yes. still opens yes. those Red Seas for us, and He's opened up for you, and he's going to continue to do that. And this isn't, you know, goodbye. This is, you know, like we said the other night, you're just, you're right there in Memphis. And I'm sure whenever Noah and, and WJTV come up, and we come up as well to cover the Ole Miss games, I'm sure we'll bump into you. So yeah. definitely looking forward to that. Of course. All right, Samaria. So hey, it's been fun. Thanks for the good work here in, in Mississippi. We're going to miss you. Thank you so much. I'm going to miss you too. She's Samaria Terry. Has 
much as it pains me to say this, former WJTV sports anchor. She joins us here on Just Say. We take a break, come back with more right after this. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we are investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and safety to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Centerpoint Energy, always there. During times of uncertainty, it's comforting to know we have a healthcare system in our community that's been committed to supporting us for well over a century. In this current time, we are standing together and our bond is stronger than ever. KDMC, caring for our community, like no one else can. Beer don't keep, love's not cheap, trucks don't wreck themselves. Mama ain't a shrink, dad ain't a bank, and God ain't a wishing well. All right, pretty good show here in episode three. We covered a lot of different things, everything from, you know, the lighthearted, which is what you want to do with these type shows. And we told you in the beginning that we would cover a little bit of everything, and I think that we did that. You got to hear some stories from the early days of broadcasting with Pervy Green. We're going to do that more often. Pervy, my original broadcast partner in the broadcast booth doing play-by-play, and he was my color analyst for 15 years. And still a good friend and thankful for his friendship over all these years. Appreciate Pervy Green so much for jumping on earlier. I hope you got to hear that. Us telling stories about some of the predicaments that we would find ourselves in trying to broadcast a game or go live with a show back in our old radio days. So it's pretty interesting. And when you look at how far technology has come, it's pretty cool. Thanks to former WJTV sports anchor Samaria Terry. She is former as of Monday. And going to miss her, appreciate her contribution to Mississippi, telling the stories of folks here in central Mississippi and across the state. And I think Samaria, her eyes were open to the talent and the stories here covering sports in Mississippi. So appreciate Samaria. We will see her down the road for sure. Amanda Swain, police officer in the state of Tennessee. Amanda's story is remarkable. Police officer... That is a female, obviously, and also a person of color. She is of Indian descent. Her father came to America from India, and she continues to carry on her parents' legacy. So I know her parents are proud of her. Appreciate Amanda. If you didn't get to hear it, go back and listen. Phenomenal interview. Amanda had a lot of good things to say. And Blair Buys, of course, my co-host. Appreciate her. She's got some always some funny takes, and we're going to... Put something together here for this bracket for the best shows, TV shows of all time. We're going to figure out a way to do it. So if you've got some tips, Jason at SpiritMediaNet.com. That's my email address. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, SpiritMediaMS. That is our Twitter handle. And you can find us on Facebook. We're still under Friday Night End Zone on, on Facebook, as well as Spirit Media Network. And as we do, before we get out of here for every show, as we wrap up, Episode 3, the devotional for today. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I know I do. I know everybody's dealing with 
budget cuts and some people have been laid off and some people are looking for jobs and there's just a lot that's been going on with the pandemic and everything's upside down. I think everybody needs to hear this today. I know I do. Philippians 4 verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's a good word today. So whatever you're carrying, I hope you understand that God's looking out for you. And as we always say before we sign off, because he sees you, he's got you, he loves you, and he's always got your back and he's always there for you. He still moves stones and he still parts Red Seas. I promise you he does. So there's tons of examples that I could give and we will give those examples next week. Blair Byes and I will tell stories of faith and I hope you'll join us for that. So have a great week. If you're listening to this uh, over the weekend, have a phenomenal weekend. Be safe. And we'll see you next time around for episode four of Just Saying right here on the Spirit Media Network. Thanks for listening to Just Saying with Jason Scarborough, produced and recorded by the Spirit Media Network. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn Radio app. We'll see you next time for more thought-provoking commentary right here on Just Saying with Jason Scarborough.